You're listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. Welcome into this week's edition of the Beyond the Game program. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. We're so glad you could be part of this week's show. We're recording from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. We're talking sports without all that trash talk. It's btgprogram.com. If you want to visit our website or on social media, it's at btgprogram. I, Zach, am so excited that baseball is back. Coming up later in the program, we'll look down the road and offer you our thoughts and best guesses as to which teams we think might be playing in October. But as part of its new partnership with Major League Baseball, the Independent Atlanta League will implement several rule changes for the upcoming season as a sort of testing ground, see how the proposals go in actual game settings. I like the idea of testing rule changes out before just making radical changes, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes despite our best intentions. And even though we think we've planned for everything, inevitably something unexpected pops up. So seeing it take place in the Atlantic League, I think is a great idea. Yeah. Work it out there. So, Zach, let's take a look at at a couple of these major proposals, rule changes that the uh, the NFL, yeah, MLB (laughs) has in front of it. First off, the robo-umps. The rule change would implement a radar system to help umpires call balls and strikes. I like this, but I don't love it. How about you? Uh, I think I possibly love it. Uh, I've, You know I've been a big proponent of having robot umps for a while, and, and I know the human element is supposed to be a big part of the game or whatever, but the human element is what often gets calls wrong. So if you can remove getting the calls wrong and just reward the players for doing what they're supposed to be doing, I'm in favor of that. Yeah, according to ESPN's data, the correct call rate on balls and strikes last season was 91.1%. You'd like to think it's a little better than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like a big number, 9%, but, man, that is a big number. But here's why I don't love the rule. Exactly how robot umpires will be implemented has yet to be determined. But it has to be implemented in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can call it the Angel Hernandez effect or something. <laughs> That's perfect. We need the umpires there for safer out calls, obviously, and determine fair or foul. But what I struggle with is will the system adjust the size of the strike zone to the size of the batter? The ones we see are on TV don't. They're just the standard size. So obviously there's a big difference between Aaron Judge well, Aaron Judge and just about anybody else, you yeah, know, yeah. there's a different strike zones. They need to be adjusted. And from what I understand, changes in weather, even crowd size can affect the, the system in, in just even minor ways so that it, there's a slight change from game to game. And granted, we already have that now by having a different umpire each night. But mm-hmm. if you move to technology, you do it for consistency. And if you're not going to get the consistency, then maybe we're not ready for it. I like it. I do. I want it. I really do. But until they figure out how to implement it, then I don't love it. But it's coming. I mean, it's absolutely coming. Maybe not next season, 
but it's definitely coming. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. 100%. All right. Next, banning the shift. This rule would require two infielders on each side of second base when the pitch is released. Otherwise, the pitch would be called a ball. Zach, I can't hate this one enough. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Look, the shift is one of those things that's come out of analytics and teams looking for more and more data to help them with their on-field performance. Teams like the Rays, we could argue all day that they should spend more money because they have more money, but they're not. They've got to compete somehow. If you're going to ban the shift, you might as well go all the way and ban openers and ban, you know, I don't anything else you could think of that's analytically based. Teams are using information to line their players up to use them the best that they can, and I don't think that should be outlawed. Yeah, I agree. Most of the time that the shift is employed, it's against left-handed power hitters, guys who pull everything trying to jack a home run out of the park. As you say, why penalize a defensive tactic because your offensive guy is too stubborn to adjust? You want to take away the shift? Beat the shift. Start going the other way. You analytics guys, as you already mentioned, you love your numbers. And the shift is a result with it of that. So you either live with it or you learn to beat it. And I definitely don't like some of the potential adjustments that I've heard people talking about, which managers could possibly respond to the shift being outlawed. Things like guys going in motion with the pitch. Mm-hmm. Man, I just, I don't like that. It, it, you know, if you're a baseball traditionalist, yeah. of course you don't like it. So I, I just think you, you need to beat this thing. If you got the whole left side of the infield open, good night. Hit it that way. Yeah. You can move the corners in for the bunt. You can move your middle infielders around to a double play depth. You can play in deep. You can play shallow. The only difference with the shift is you move one guy to the other side of the bag. That's it. To make specifically outlaw that, I think, is ridiculous. The third rule I'll bring up is the minimum batters faced for relief pitchers. Each reliever would have to face at least three batters unless it's the end of an inning. And I'm okay with this one either way. You know, this is all about pace of the game, not necessarily the length, but the pace, which I don't really have a problem with, but I get it that some people do. Here's the thing, though. I think that it'll result in some left-handed specialists, uh, they're going to lose their jobs. You know, this is what they do, because that's who makes the bulk of the one or two batter relief appearances. Yeah. But I think this is going to happen, and this is probably the first rule change that we'll see. Pace of play is a big deal to Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So this one, I'm okay either way. I don't like it because, like you said, it is going to eliminate some guys' jobs. With that being said, I think it will have the least impact on the game, and I think two to three years from now, we won't even be talking about the rule change. We will have been become so used to it that it won't matter. Yeah, this is all up. A pace issue. It's not a game issue. The shift is a game issue. Lastly, let's talk about moving the mound back, which this one I don't understand at all. They want to move it back two feet so that it'll be set at 62 feet, six inches. And from what I understand, potentially only in the second half of the season, which I don't even understand how you do that. This is about the increasing number of strikeouts. And of course, Major League Baseball would like to reduce the overwhelming number of strikeouts. I think this one is a bad idea all around. First off, guys have spent their entire careers learning how to get the ball to break or to sink at at, at a particular place, and now you're telling them to change that? Are they even going to be able to change that? I I, I don't know. Uh, Then there's the arm health issue, which everybody really knows. Nobody really knows, I should say, how that's going to be affected. So I, I don't like this one. 
Yeah, I don't either. I think it's downright dangerous. In fact, like you said, guys have been doing a certain thing their entire career. They're going to have to figure out how to handle their pitches differently. Um, you know, if you've got a pitch that drops right at the knees on a header now, with the mound move back two feet, that ball's going to drop in front of the plate and be completely useless. They're going to have to figure out how to pitch differently. They're going to have to adjust their throwing regimens. Uh, with the amount of Tommy John surgeries that we have as it is, um, wow. I just think it's a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, you're giving batters more reaction time. That's going to lead to an increase in offense. Uh, one wonders if the increase in offense will be so great that the rule actually ends up adversely affecting the pace of play rules that you're adjusting to kind of speed things along. You're going to have teams potentially out there just hitting around. Yeah. You know, and, and that here's an example. Last season, batters had a 272 average against pitches in the low 90s. Raised the velocity just two or three miles per hour, and the averages dropped to 246. So obviously, moving it back two feet, the velocity is going to drop. You're going to get a heck of a lot more offense, maybe too much offense, and your pace of play is ruined. This rule changes a fundamental part of the game, and, and I just I don't like. It'd be like moving the length of the bases. I'd hate it. A couple other small changes, like the number of mound visits, they've already reduced it by one, reducing the time between innings, uh, pitch clock, roster expansion, I think is another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, No real bearing to me. I think if you're going to end up doing the minimum batter's face, which they are, then you definitely have to expand the rosters because people are going to be losing their jobs. So. Yeah, You know, you need to do that. I, I think that's the only way you sell that. Yeah, I think it'll make sure that you have enough pitchers on your roster. And I think also a lot of teams are going with a three-man bench right now. Your catcher, an outfielder, and then an infielder who can also play some outfield. And I think just allowing you to have an extra guy on your bench, I think that will be helpful. I've said reducing the time between innings for a long time. Look, if you're really serious, reduce the number of commercials. Uh Boy, I'll tell you, that's sometimes actually, the commercials are yeah, so lengthy. That's actually one of the changes that's been proposed, but it's only going to be a matter of a few seconds per each commercial break. So I have a hard time believing that'll make any difference. I think all these rules, these minor ones we just mentioned, are just nothing more than getting used to it. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll give you our predictions for the year ahead, as well as our You Like That for this week. Glad to have you with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, March 28th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. After losing for just the second time this season on the road at Mercyhurst College 19-6, this despite three goals from Taylor Nathan, The Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse team got back to its winning ways on Tuesday with an 11-7 win at home over top 25 Mercyhurst University. Senior Megan Burnham scored her 100th career point on an assist as Emily Knight and Jessica Giancurso each scored three goals. They'll be back in action on Saturday the 30th at 2 p.m. hosting New York Institute of Technology. The men's team lost on the road on Saturday to LIU Post 17-4. Also on Saturday, the men's tennis team lost to the University of Western Ontario 7-0. On Tuesday, the women's tennis team played a local road match at RIT. Senior co-captain Marusha Bosch was a double winner, though it wasn't enough as the Red Hawks came up short 6-3. However, the team finished with an 11-10 record, becoming the first women's tennis team from Roberts Wesleyan to qualify for the ECC Championship Tournament. 
The only home games for the Roberts Wesleyan Athletic teams involve both men and women's lacrosse. The men will host Seton Hill University on Saturday, March 30th at 11 a.m. and will be followed by the women's team at 2 p.m., as we already mentioned, hosting New York Institute of Technology. Head on out and support the Red Hawks, but if you can't make it to the game, remember that you can follow all the action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the program. We thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Visit our website. While you're there, you can subscribe to our podcast, have it downloaded automatically, just as people all around the country, all around the world do each and every week, wherever it is you're listening from. However it is you're listening, we thank you for being with us. Let's, uh, let's get to our official Beyond the Game preview of the baseball season, something that you always love a lot more than I do. These <laughs> stupid picks are who knows what's going to happen. Well, at the you end know, of the year, it's very entertaining. To it look is back entertaining, how bad but they were. you know, I of course it's entertaining if you're good at this. But let's have some fun. Let's go through it. Uh, we'll go through division by division and see what we think. The AL East, Zach. I think the Yankees are going to win this division. Uh, they're not as good as the Red Sox were last year, but they were close. They improve their pitching. The Red Stocks are obviously still very solid, but are they going to get the MVP caliber seasons from Mookie Betts, uh, J.D. Martinez again? I I like the Yankees. I like the improvements they made. I'm right there with you, actually. Um, the Red Sox season, look, they're really good. The season yep. they had last year reminded me of that Cubs World Series a few years ago where every single thing went right for them, and it's not really repeatable. So, uh the Yankees won 100 games, and then they got better over the offseason, so I'm taking the Yankees as well. Yeah, and I think whichever team doesn't win, the division is going to be one of the wild card teams, probably yeah. the home wild card team. Agreed. Looking at the AL Central, I, you know, I think the Indians, although I think this is a weak division. It is. I, I don't think they're as good as they were. I think the Twins will be improved, but I think the Indians are still good enough to win a weak division. I actually picked the Twins. I had the Indians as the second wild card after the Red Sox. But, I mean, look, the Twins got better all over the place. The Indians got worse, but they do still have that great pitching rotation. So I, I could see either team, and I think it'll be close at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I can see the Twins winning it, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the Indians. But I, you make a good point. I think the Twins could do it. Out in the West, I don't think there's anybody to pick other than the Astros. The A's can compete. The Angels might be sneaky good. 
but the Astros are the class of this division, mm-hmm. maybe the class of the American League, mm-hmm. and quite possibly the World Series champion. Yeah, I picked the Astros, obviously, for this division as well, and uh, I I do think they're a contender for the World Series. They're just so good everywhere. I got the Yankees winning the AL East, which means I have the Red Sox as the top wild card. The second wild card, you know, I've it could be the Twins. I, I see the A's. Again, the Angels could be sneaky good. I'm going to pick the A's, although, you know, again, I could, bu- I could buy what you're selling and, and say the Twins will win the Central and then the Indians get in there. But I'm going to say my AL wild cards are the Red Sox and the A's. And I had the Red Sox and Indians. So we're so far, we're pretty close with our picks. All right, let's move to the National League. The National League East, who do you have there? I have the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not super sold on the starting pitching. I think it'll be good, but not great. But that lineup is just scary good. Yeah, the Phillies made a big splash, obviously. The Braves have a ton of young talent. The Mets are better, I think. This is a loaded division. You know, don't count the Marlins, but this is a loaded division and could go any number of ways. But I've been picking the Nationals for a couple of years now. I still think they have a lot of talent. And what I'm kind of wondering in the back of my mind, perhaps that talent will pick up the slack and be even better now that they know they don't, they can't rely on Bryce Harper. So maybe that makes them better. I like the Nationals. They're a good book club. Yeah, that's a great division, and that can go, as I said, any number of ways. In the Central, I have the Cubs. So much went wrong for the Cubs last year. Everything went wrong for the Cubs last year, and yet there they were, tied for the most wins in the National League. They can't have as many things go wrong this year, could they? I think the Brewers are good. I think the Cardinals, they'll both be in the thick of it, though, but I'm going with the Cubs. Uh, I like the Cubs as well. I took the Cardinals to win this division. I like the pit, the offense. Obviously, a lot of these teams all have very good offenses. I like the pitching of the Cardinals a little better. So that's what put them over the top for me. But I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think the the American League, we pretty well know, for the most part, mm-hmm. who your probable division winners are. Mm-hmm. The National League is a lot more open. It's wide you know, open. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be a, a real lo- lot of fun to watch. In the NL West, I've got the Dodgers. I like the Rockies, but the Dodgers lineup is very impressive. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but their pitching is what I'm uncertain about. Mm-hmm. You know, so For so many years, that Dodger pitching and, and Clayton Kershaw has been the backbone of it, but there's some questions there. But the lineup is deep, and I think it's still the best in the West, I think. See, I took the Rockies, and I had some of the same concerns you did about the Dodgers. The health of the pitching staff, um, the bottom of the lineup, you know, maybe I should rethink that. But for right now, I've got the Rockies with the Dodgers as a wild card team. All right, looking at the National League wild cards, uh, Cardinals, Brewers are the two teams that I'm going with. And if one of those two teams wins the division, then I'll pick the Cubs for the wild card. I I think there's going to be three teams from the Central that appears in this year's playoffs. Yeah, for my wild card teams, I took the Dodgers, as I said, and then I took the Mets. Uh, I just think they're going to be sneaky good in that East, and uh, I think they have the pitching and the offense to get there. The thing about the Mets... Is that they're the Mets? Is that they're the Mets? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just... They're one of those, uh, that's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. If something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong for the yeah. for the Mets. It's like the Knicks. I, I'm a, I love the Knicks. They can have the worst record in the NBA, 
and then they'll probably go into the lottery and end up with a five or six pick. You know, it yeah. just isn't. It's just it's the Knicks. All right. My AL champion is the Houston Astros. I, I just don't see a weakness. My heart says the Yankees. I can't count out the Red Sox. But, man, those Astros are good. They are good. I picked the Yankees to be my AL representative, but, I mean, I have reservations. I just – I picked them – I don't know. I Maybe it's the heart over the head, but I picked them, and I am afraid of the Astros, though. My NL champion is the Dodgers. I like the depth of the lineup. But as we've already said, that National League is wide open. can go in any number of directions, but I'm going to go with the with the Dodgers. I'm actually going with the Mets as my Mets National League. I'm, I'm predicting the Subway Series. I just feel like with the, the way the National teams, the National League teams that I picked, I feel like the Mets are the one team that really has that short series playoff pitching rotation that well, can if they're, if they're uh, yeah exactly right if their pitching comes together man that's going to be a difficult team to beat my world series champion is the houston astros or maybe the yankees or maybe the red sox who knows it's going to be an <laughs> al team i'm, I'm going to say the astros <laughs> i've taken the yankees over the mets in the subway series but i think it goes six games i hope you're right buddy well there you have it there's our predictions for this year when we come back we'll give you our you like that close out the show Come on back. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Hey, gang. Benson here again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beyond the Game program. While Zach and I have fun talking sports, it's even more exciting for us to have this opportunity to share with you the greatest and most important news that there is. I assume I'm talking to a reasonably bright group of people. That's why you listen to this radio station. So, of course, you can decide for yourself what to do with what I'm telling you, but at least give me this moment or two to share with you what's on my mind. Because, as I'm sure you know, every one of us is a sinner. We can't get to heaven on our own merit. That means we'll spend all of eternity in hell trying to pay the debt of our sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was the only one who never sinned. And though he needed not to die, he willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt which we owed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity of despair. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is after he died, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making eternal life in heaven possible as a result of his righteousness. Sports Talk Radio is fun, but it also allows us to share this message of the forgiveness of sins with people all around the world who we'll probably never get to meet. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God and admit to him that you know you're a sinner and tell him that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and ask him to forgive you your sins. Begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Beyond the Game program. All right, Zach, I guess it's time we'll close out this week's show with our You Like That segment. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. President Trump was recently cleared of any collusion charges with Russia, which I suppose is well-timed since heads probably would have exploded seeing him welcome in Alex Ovechkin and the NHL champion Washington Capitals to the White House on Monday, congratulating them after having won the Stanley Cup back in June. Trump said it was an honor to host the team because he's a hockey fan. God bless our president. As has been the recent trend, two players on the current roster, Canadians Braden Holtby and Brett Conley, were not part of the visit to the White House, and one player who is now in the minors did not attend as well. Holtby said last week that he had to stay true to his values and respectfully decline, but did his best not to be a distraction or to be divisive. What I like about the Zach is, for one, Holtby simply declining. Nobody really cares if you go or not. This is not about politics. It's about sports. If you don't want to go, don't. I appreciate Holtby not making a big deal about it, not ruining it for the rest of the team who did decide to go by not making an issue of it. I also like the tradition of the White House visits. I like that even when and if people disagree, they can come together and find common ground somewhere, like in sports. Finding something to agree on is an early step in having a mature, respectful dialogue and changing the narrative from hate to respect and kindness. President Trump hosting in the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals is what I like this week. What I like this week was a video that went viral across the internet. It's a boxer. Uh, Sabri Sidiri is dancing around. He's in the last round. He's got about 30 seconds left. He knows he's ahead in the judges voting. He's got a few seconds left, so he's dancing around. He's dropping his hands. He's bobbing and weaving, sort of making fun of his opponent, knowing that he has it locked up. Well, his opponent is Sam Maxwell. He never gives up. He waits him out, waits him out. Knocks the guy out with 14 seconds left to win the fight. The guy got overconfident. He danced around. He got beat. And that was what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? Well, there you have it. That's our show for this week. I just want to say thanks for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. I hope you'll tune in again next week as we continue our conversations mixing both sports and faith. Remember that this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and your financial gifts which make the Beyond the Game radio program possible. Please keep us in prayer, asking that God would use this Sports Talk radio program to impact those who hear it. And if you'd like to have a part in making this radio ministry possible and keeping it coming to you, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 